Surf's up, Rangers. We're in Blue Bay Harbor. Welcome <laughs> to the Disney era of the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hey, hi, hello. Surf's and- up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tail time. We've got Jenny. At Usagi Cola, also of the awesome account Quotes of Gex. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing really good. (laughs) I got to watch Power Rangers for the first time. That was pretty cool. Hell yeah. Well, before we even cut into this, did you have any knowledge of the Power Rangers prior to this show? I was aware of like the 90s show, like like cultural osmosis. You know, I, I was aware of like... After ten thousand years, I am free. You know, <laughs> like I, I was, I was. I'm like aware of it. I've just never sat down and like watched it. Like it just wasn't. I'm from Canada, and I just don't think it was ever on any channel I had. So I just missed out on it as a kid. But I did. That's more really off- weird because there, there was. Uh, this is around 2003. So Disney just picked up the show from Saban. Yeah, I didn't know um, that. I learned that just today because my girlfriend told me Disney owned it. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? That's crazy. Why did yes, Disney the... own Power Rangers? Yeah, this is the first, the very first time that, or sorry, this is the very first handoff, I would say, of the of the show. It's really weird because we're we're in the early 2000s era. So this is 2003. And this is around the time of American television where we were importing shows from you guys. Yeah, that's how you got like total drama and stuff. I know that's right. our, like, our our biggest export is we gave uh, total drama to the states, and then they had to censor it because we had like different rules. You could say like crap on Canadian TV. They had to like censor. They said testicles at one point. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen total drama uncensored now as an adult. And I was shocked by some of the content. Yeah, we just like had that. <laughs> I would go to like we had. It's like, really what? weird because Total Drama is based off of uh, like reality television shows in the states, like uh, Big Brother and uh, Survivor. Yeah, and I I, 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 I was also for there's a there's a moment in my life um, from the years of like 2019 to I think 2020. Um, or no, 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 actually 2017 to like 2019, where I was a big fan of Big Brother. And like, I watched a lot of the, <laughs> the early seasons and the later seasons of Big Brother. So I could definitely see the appeal. It does make me want to go see Total Drama Island, but I'm going to actually see that with my son now. Oh, so that's cool. that's the cool part. Yeah. <laughs> it holds up okay. Yeah. A lot I, of it yeah. was pretty funny when I rewatched it like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I also missed out on a lot of like that 2000s era of cartoons in general because I think that's when I started getting out of it, right? Like uh, Ninja Storm, as I've said before on the show, Ninja Storm is the last season of Power Rangers that I even had like any ritual of watching. Yeah. So, so yeah. This, is the, this is the last bit of it. And um, I remember it being good. I don't remember it being fantastic or great at the time, but I remember it being good. And so it's fun to watch it now and be like, I could see why I liked it when I was a kid. Um, I, 
I will say for me, this one's interesting because Wild Force, as I mentioned, was the first one I I had no recollection of watching as a kid, but it still did still provoke a slight sense of nostalgia and familiarity, like maybe I had seen it um, and presumably hated it. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, Ninja Storm, nothing. It's like uh, it's like a brand new thing. There's absolutely no feeling of familiarity, which is kind of interesting. And uh, it's exciting. It's, you know, stepping into the true unknown with uh, this series <laughs> for me. Anyway. I will say I will never forgive the Canadians for uh, Johnny Test. That's for sure. We did do that. <laughs> we did give you Johnny Test. That is 100% on us. <laughs> wow. Called out. <laughs> it's really funny, though, because like now what we'll do is we'll get like network television with like real life actors. Uh, and they like swear that the show takes place in like the United States of America, but clearly it's Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they film a lot of stuff in Vancouver. I yeah yeah I've been to Vancouver. It's a it's definitely a very shootable city to pretend it, that it's somewhere else. Yeah, a lot of yeah. movies will be like, "Welcome to the streets of Chicago," but you look closely, it's Vancouver. <laughs> no, Vancouver is like it's it's I feel like in BC a lot. I live in British Columbia and I feel like a lot of places I've been are like, oh yeah, this is where this movie was filmed. Like we had where I live, like Nick Cage was here to shoot a movie, and that was like a huge deal that he was like running around uh, uh yeah. my small Canadian town. I believe a lot of uh sci-fi television shows were also um literally the network but also the genre were uh filmed in uh Vancouver as well. Yeah. Uh, my my mom does acting stuff. Like you you mentioned that and I suddenly remember that like I was almost on a sci-fi show when I was like 12 because they were just like we need <laughs> Hey Michelle, do you do you have like a 7-year-old do you have like a 13-year-old running around? It's like sure. <laughs> And I don't think I was because they didn't need that extra anymore, but I was like almost on a show for sci-fi. That's funny. I was very young. <laughs> yeah, for the record, this is why if you watch sci-fi like the network shows, you'll notice they always seem to like land on these mysterious alien planets that are like boreal forests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, <laughs> I I have to ask, just for fans of of you, Jenny, Gex, what what's Gex. the story behind quotes of Gex? Okay, so the reason I started Gex quotes was because for the longest time, I'm I'm like a game designer. I haven't done much yet, but that's like what I'm working towards. You know, that's my career in, of the future. I guess that's awesome. And I have just got attached to the idea that I would make a really good Gex sequel. Because who gives a shit about Gex? I've never played a Gex game. I should just be allowed to make, have free reign, because who cares? I want to make Gex, but he's gay. And I finally (laughs) I'm never going to be able to write the Gex game of my dreams. So I'm just going to make a Twitter account where I say really dumb things that kind of sound like things Gex would say. Like, it's all supposed to be this, like, elaborate, almost character study of my version of Gex. Like, the, like it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's half <laughs> nonsense and half me trying to, like, characterize my own version of Gex, where he's just this, like, 
older gayer gex like like it you know he's like washed up he's 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 not playing a character anymore but he's still like i don't know it's like if they did another austin powers now it's kind of like far removed from where he was it would have to kind of be a parody of itself yeah. It's funny because for someone who's never played it, you you captured the essence of Gex pretty well. That's what I mean. And... Like I, <laughs> I I clued in really easily, and I was like, it's so easy to make Gex quotes. Like it's so easy to go like, oh, this is this is like that time I was on a podcast about Power Rangers. <laughs> I was gonna ask, should I like advertise this? Should I like post on Gex quotes? Like, wow, I was on. Sure a thing. Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Me. Give, um, me, give me the link when we're done. I will absolutely make a Gex quotes about this. Yeah, not a problem. Um, yeah, I think like it's funny because uh, it, it's it was shit. Gex was shit posting. Gex was mm-hmm. shit posting the video game, right? Because you had Duke Nukem, yeah, and then you also had Gex, and I had both on the Nintendo sixty four at the age of of seven (laughs) there were a few kind of video games i mean it's still a popular genre to some extent like the sort of video game that references everything yeah you know and like eat lead the return of matt hazard right you know right but 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 does it in this kind of like sarcastic and like ironic way where it's like even if it's like making references you've heard a thousand times it's kind of funny because it's in this like bizarre like cracked out video game world context and especially back then like video game worlds were so weird and just nonsensical yeah Yeah. i think the best part about gex though was that it was at a time too where it was genuine right it's not it's not like it wasn't as jaded and as cynical as like the the characters and the games that tried to be like oh haha we're 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 a bad video game ironically though yeah, and no. it was actually shit or something, right? Like I genuinely had fun playing Gex 64 on my no, Nintendo yeah. 64. I do want to play Gex at some point. I just think I'm trying to like keep that like o- almost the fact that I'm like an observer that's managed to like figure it out. I've cracked the code on good Gex dialogue. On having <laughs> I f- I feel like yeah. I feel like especially in like the meme era like the modern internet like there's so much gex could like riff on there's so much more potential for a modern gex game (laughs) just something yeah yeah i i i just think that i think I, i think there's also just like a good following there's a lot of stuff of like people like getting attached to like forgotten mascots like i think that's kind of a big thing recently like there's a lot of I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, Bubsy was actually good because, like, we're post-ironic or whatever. So I kind of latched on to Gex in the same way people latch on to, like, other random... Like, I've seen a lot of people do that with, like, Bubsy or uh, uh, Wild Woody. (laughs) It all kind of started with Sonic, right? Yeah. Like, let's be real. It's, It's easy to take for granted now that, like, Sonic managed to become that staple household name that they always wanted him to be to some extent but like it was actually kind of a long battle sonic was almost forgotten more or less and and he had like the first kind of ironic fandom for a video game character 
or like mm-hmm. semi semi ironic to post ironic spectrum fandom where yeah, like the Sonic the Hedgehog were... Twitter account. I remember this. Yeah, that was yeah. a huge thing actually. Yeah, that's kinda yeah. You like... kind of you kind of did your own Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account, except you did it with Gex. Yeah, that's wild to think about because I remember reading about this like. I don't know, seven years ago, where like mm-hmm. the, the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account was like made famous because it not only captured the essence of like Sonic the Hedgehog in the modern era, but also like it had that sort of shit posty ironic humor in it. Yeah. Circa right. like 2013. No, yeah, they had like the guy when they announced like Sonic Mania, like whatever that event is, like they had the guy. They had like, hey, it's me, the guy who runs the Twitter account. And it like he was like important. And I always thought that was like like interesting, I guess, that like the random intern who runs the Twitter account gets to go up on stage with Yuji Naka and be like, hey, everybody uh, say Sega so we can put that in as an Easter egg in Sonic Mania. Do the like tonic thing. Yeah, that's actually yeah, that was that's really cool. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll get there with Gex. One, one or, day. Um who the you could also potentially get it to where like the copyright owners of Gex uh just immediately go bankrupt. I, and then you could just buy the rights on the cheap and be no, the owner it, of Gex. Here's the thing, <laughs> I have looked into that, and Square Enix currently owns the rights to Gex, which I think is hysterical. Hmm. It's it was, I think it was Idos. Like they just bought like Square Enix just bought out Idos. So they got they that's 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 what I, exactly what I mean though is that the Gex property nothing's going to happen with it. Square Enix is just holding on to that. And I'm a nobody, which is exactly why I should be allowed to write and direct a new Gex game where he like goes on wacky adventures in like I don't know. He goes into the TV. I'm trying to think like what like what t- he'd go into like Game of Thrones and be like, "Oh, this is like really boring." <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like that one time I joined a really bad D&D campaign. This is like the <laughs> was just a shithead and made everything really boring. He didn't even <laughs> let us play his fantasy races. He was like humans only, hard fantasy. Um if I can just say one more thing, because I'm scrolling through Gex quotes trying to like get my hands on like get in the mood. And I think the biggest inspiration to Gex quotes is this one meme. Uh here, can I can I pull it up on my little MS Paint thing? Uh hold yeah, on. Yeah, go for it. It's, it's <laughs> right now your your MS Paint webcam says no premarital Gex. Yeah, hold on. Let me just pull pull this up. For all for all the listeners out there. Um <laughs> The biggest inspiration to Gex quotes was definitely this image. Uh, I just think the fact, the idea that like Gex is back, but this time he's gay. Like that, that was really <laughs> It's like image where they make him like holding this male model and he's like, we're not even pretending anymore. We don't care. Fuck it. Gex. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is the direction Gex should go in. This should be what gex is i think that that's like actually a really genuine oh my god it's my blog that's like the second result for this image i want to i wonder who made this i wonder what the origin of someone being like what if i'm edited uh the poster for uh gex 3 enter the gecko where he's like holding a lady's boobs (laughs) and it's like ooh. 
this game is raunchy. Gex has sex. And then someone was like, uh, Gex is back, but he's gay this time. <laughs> and that was really the inspiration. That was really like the deep down inspiration because I fucking love that image so much. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you a freebie meme idea. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, find, find, find those pictures of Ryan Knight and Lance Bass partying in hot tubs and shit and add Gex. Okay. <laughs> yes, that would be a good one. Send me that. I will Photoshop <laughs> I will absolutely. I can do that. 100%. See, Hell see, yeah. The thing about Gex quotes is I get pe a lot of people. I don't like. I don't like link my main on it because I don't care. It's just a stupid side project that got 2,000 followers. Um, but I've had at least two of my roommates be like, wait a fucking second, your Gex quotes? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hysterical that two separate people who I've lived with have had the like, wait a fucking second, you do Gex quotes? Like, I have infamy and I, I haven't quite had anything. Yeah. No, that's a really fun feeling. All right, Kennedy. It's morphing time. I, are we going to get serious? Okay, all right. Oh, Power no. Rangers Ninja Storm. So Power Rangers has this tendency to come off of a really bad season and like put some effort in. That kind of <laughs> happened here. I would say it, this isn't necessarily like amazing. But it's a very interesting introduction, and it's also it's different than anything that's come before in a lot of ways. This is not follow any sort of typical Power Rangers formula for an intro. Um, the biggest, most obvious and immediately noticeable change is that there's three Rangers instead of five. Yeah, I know yeah, and also the uh, the intro because the, the intro, intro is to very Disney. <laughs> it's it's just like kicks in this like immediate narrator voice, and it's like long ago a secret prophecy foretold type like just like yeah. <laughs> okay we're going there, and I just am not going to add that particular inflection to my rendition of it, but there's this slightly racialized way that they do the intro. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's so Disney, but like, it's not bad. It's definitely one of the more, it's one of the more good intros. Uh, I was anticipating... After the hard racism of last season, all this mild racism is kind of easy to forget. Yeah, it's all just like what's popular, what's popular with the kids? Ninjas. Ninja. All right, guys, let's do this more or less. Yeah. yeah. I definitely felt like I was like, oh, this is definitely from the period where like Naruto was popular, like ninjas were in. Yeah, big time. And it it definitely shows that like you say they're just leaning into like let's just do a theme that people like like let's just like they're sort of like streamlining it and making it more transparent and fake in some ways but then also it's better in other ways because they're not trying to give it some bizarre weird out there concept it's just like the power rangers are ninjas this time yeah Fuck if this yeah. was saban yeah. doing it if this was saban doing it we would have had like some weird asian like 
crazy freaking racist backstory behind Time the travel, characters. magic crystals, uh, women abusing you. yeah whereas disney was just like hey guys these are three totally radical people and it just so happens that they know kung fu and they're ninjas like yeah it's just it 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 lays it on thick right away it's not all bad for it because like it's it, it does like set things up for excitement action and fun right away so basically it opens up and we immediately get to see the protagonist being cool. This is somewhat Power Rangers formula, although they've fallen off of like doing this as much. But this is like a little bit of a nod back to the old days where like we would meet the Rangers and they would be like in a kung fu match or like mountain biking or something, you know? Yeah. Like and so yeah, what are these what are these three doing? Surfing, skateboarding, and uh uh dirt biking. So like this is the most Cali intro I've ever seen. No, yeah, I, I, I watched it and I was like, oh, all right, it's 2003. Goof, an extremely goofy movie has yet to come out or is go has been out. You know, you know. Yeah, that's the only yeah. other like thing of that period I can think of where they were really like, ooh, skateboard, dirt bike, extreme sports. Yeah, the only thing I can't be sold on, I'm not like these guys work right so they have a job and then they also do extreme sports and we're supposed to believe that the who eventually becomes the red ranger is in like his teen years as well maybe or like this is their summer job maybe i think so that actor looks like he's like 28 at least yeah (laughs) and he's like yeah dude radical man (laughs) i'm like oh man we're really in it now. <laughs> yeah, this is the stoner representation season. Oh boy. <laughs> these these dudes are blazed. Um <laughs> all so three of them. The all three, three new yeah, all three. Shane's the one that doesn't smoke as much and is judgmental about how much Tori and Dustin smoke, but then he's like at the end of the day he's like, "But let's okay, roll that up though." so yeah tori shane and dustin keeping with the uh very 2003 california names um are our power rangers they're all like i say they're all just kind of like doing their thing but then they start all realizing oh shit we're running late for something and we gotta like pack it up gotta put the surfboard away you know, and you even see before Tori even calls it a day, she like almost calls it a day. And then like, she's like one more wave or like kind of, but like, there's like a whole little like thing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just it, emphasizing how these three just don't have their shit together. Yeah. And the cool thing about these, these people though, is that like, they get along, they seem like they hang out. Yeah. Right. Like the the team dynamics are there where they're like, hey, we actually hang out with each other. We actually vibe and stuff like that. There's certain seasons of Power Rangers where we straight up didn't get that. And this one, it was immediate. It was like, ah, hey, they're actually all like on the same wavelength here. They get each other. This is awesome. Even Time Force, which was good overall, really missed this. 
like really needed this sort of thing in particular. And now to an extent they worked with the fact that these people didn't necessarily all weren't all like perfect friends in that season too. But at the same time, like time force would have really benefited from like just seeing the Rangers pal around like this a little bit more and like things like that. And it's great. And and I'm just I'm just calling that season out in particular because it's a recent one we've watched. But really, so many seasons have had, recently have had this problem where the Rangers don't really seem like friends. Uh, we talked about in in Lost Galaxy, Damon's just never going to talk to those guys again after the never after they're done being Rangers. You know, never. <laughs> yeah, like, like these guys, these guys are going to be friends for life. You can just already tell that as yeah. soon as you meet them. Like it would take something monumental to tear them apart. And so at- in this universe, the Power Rangers are well, it's still in the same timeline. Like we're still in the revised, you know, whatever happens from Time Force, that timeline's revision, right? And as we've discussed previously, you know, Wes chooses like they, they choose to save Wes. They alter the timeline so much so that 9-11 still happens. And uh, completely fucks up the the Power Rangers, uh, well, especially for a season. So there was nine eleven on Power Rangers. Is that like a thing? No. So the last season was the most Defense Department season that we've seen yet. Oh, where like you clearly saw the the Ranger to Air Force pipeline. Oh, right? kind of like okay. nowadays where you see the Marvel the Air Force pipeline. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. in this one, in Power Rangers Wild Force, we literally had an Air Force Ranger. Oh yeah, so nine eleven still happened. And she and, was like uh, a QAnon person, basically. Yeah, she was a truther. <laughs> she was a right wing truther, not not the truthers that we like, but yeah. This takes place away from there away from Angel Grove and the Power Rangers are kind of just seen as like uh, almost like aliens, right? Where it's just like, obviously there's video footage of aliens that exist and stuff, but people are just like, ah, aliens aren't real. It's kind of like that sort of thing where like there's obviously video footage and stuff of Rangers that surfaced, but the proliferation of the internet isn't really quite there. And so like you have these guys who are like, yeah, Power Rangers, like comic books, right? Like that that's what we're talking about. But no, eventually you come to find out that, hey, the Power Rangers are real, actually. Which is kind of funny because these three are literally like Naruto ninjas. Like yeah. they they have a lot of powers that don't come from being a Power Ranger, but they can like shadow step and like fucking all kinds of like you know (laughs) stuff like (laughs) watching them like in the like little intro bit like when they first do like oh here's the ninja trial and she's like running on water and shit and i'm like that they don't i like that's not even power rangers that's just completely unrelated that they can do that yeah (laughs) i literally she doesn't believe that the power rangers exist at that point we we well it's also funny it's also funny because we had ninja powers before in, in Power Rangers Season 3. And uh, it's it's really interesting because I think it's just like more or less like we don't know where the powers come from. We just know that if we do some like jutsu signs or if we do like any of these other magic sort of 
related areas mm -hmm. it just so happens but we can't connect it that that's the morphing grid right, right? Yeah. so like then then of course we see what happens I, I will say the vibe is really different than the last time they did Ninja Powers because again it's really really like 2003 anime vibe um, I drew a comparison to uh, also Jackie Chan Adventures it, it, yeah. it's more it, it feels more like Jackie Chan Adventures than it does like some of the other things whereas like pre the previous Ninja Powers felt a little more like I don't know I Dream of Genie <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't think they had the budget back then for that type of stuff too, which is a good thing, right? Because Disney actually gave it a budget this time yeah. around. Yeah, the budget is decent. So anyway, okay. So the so the three meet up from doing their activities. They're running late, as we mentioned. Dustin is like, "Wouldn't it be cool if we were the Power Rangers?" And his friends are like, "The Power Rangers don't exist, stupid." But then they go do ninja stuff immediately after this. Yeah. Like they literally drive to this remote location and then a bunch of ninjas just appear and then they just transform into ninja suits and start using magical ninja powers and it's if i'm gonna fault the episode for much the jarringness of them being like the power rangers aren't real dude you're a dumbass and then doing magical ninja stuff right after was just a bit much <laughs> <laughs> Um, the ninja powers were cool though like they did a cool good job shit. of making yeah. it look good because I, I remember i was saying when we were watching i was like this is the most magic that we've seen in in the power rangers period like yeah. we, we got like some good cgi and stuff with power rangers before but it was always typically related to the ranger powers and their arsenal this one's like before they even get into a ranger suit they're fucking running across water they're doing ninja shadow steps right like it's yeah it's so cool i really liked actually the like water they're like running on water effect that stood out to me because i was like oh that's actually looks really cool the little like winch that they are they like obviously on little wires i i thought that it had a really interesting weight to it um i i, I does that make sense yeah uh, it makes sense to me yeah I, for sure I, that like stood out to me. I was like, oh, I got to talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the the Rangers themselves, they are training, I guess, like outside of living with each other. They also are a part of a ninja academy called the Wind Ninja Academy, right? Yeah. This this academy obviously teaches you magic powers. And I think the whole basis around it is that you get chosen to be a ninja much in the same way you get chosen to be a ranger so you have to have particular qualities about yourself to get chosen not everybody could be a ninja and right. be admitted into the ninja academy um or at least not everybody at, at any just any given point in their life like maybe if you you know put the effort in but it seems like it, it definitely has a similar kind of vibe to like you say being chosen for a ranger where it's like because apparently they've only been doing this ninja training for a year. So we pretty much have to assume, yeah, you know, they were chosen for this intensive training because they were already extremely athletic and prepared for it. Yeah, they do extreme sports. They skateboard and roll and do dirt bikes and surfing. <laughs> That's how you ninja in 2003. <laughs> yeah. And this, this whole... This academy comes with a really dank suit. So th their getup yeah. 
looks like if like Under Armour did a collaboration with Naruto and X Men two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty and, tight. Uh, it's 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 pretty sick. I love it actually. Yeah, it's pretty fucking sick. But uh, okay, so unfortunately, the Rangers do get bested in the trial though. Mm-hmm. Their asses beat. They aren't able to like perfect the techniques that they're supposed to be using, and um, that and also they were late, and so their master kind of is like, "Come with me through the portal to the like the main temple." So like apparently like you know there's this training ground nearby, but they go through magic portals to go all the way to this main temple wherever it is, which is also pretty magical and cool. So they take off there, and their their uh, sensei is like, "Listen up, you got to show up on time. You got to put in more effort. You, you're just you're fucking up too much. Don't be late tomorrow, you little pieces of shit." And sends them on their way. And his son, the sensei's son Cam, who is also a pretty important character to the show, uh, he's wearing a green shirt suspiciously wearing a green shirt all the time <laughs> but uh, we don't know we don't that's still ahead of where we'll even get in this intro presumably we're guessing um <laughs> yeah cam is like dad what do you what do you see in those three fucking california stoner knuckleheads we got plenty of good ninjas that pay attention in class you know just like says some like yoda shit about how like you know i'm the i'm the sensei and then just like walks off Hinting it, the force works in serious ways. <laughs> so uh, the next day, our three new, not quite rangers yet, are rushing to get to the academy on time. But they see an elderly couple broken down by the side of the road, and they're like, "Fuck, we we have to stop." Um, which I like from just like a blanket storytelling perspective but from a more practical perspective they clearly weren't far from civilization they live in a developed country you could just leave those old people they're gonna be fine <laughs> um, <laughs> you just didn't have triple a it doesn't they, they seem like wherever they live rent must be super cheap where they can all just work a part-time job at the the skateboard shop and maybe they have some sponsorship contracts coming up or something like that they basically are like, we have time on our hands. Why not help? And it's good. I, I like that sort of scene. I also like the fact that the the Blue Ranger isn't like a blowhard, just in general, because we seem to have that trope where the Blue Ranger is always this uptight person who is not only logical, but is just constantly like the epitome of like a type A personality embodied. Yeah. If you're, if you're smart, one, you've got to stick up your ass. Yeah, and uh, you know, Max was like a departure, a heavy departure last season from a Blue Ranger, but he also wasn't a good Blue Ranger. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but generally speaking, the Blue Rangers are always seem to be that sort of type. There's there's very few exceptions. Um, even Lucas and Time Force was kind of like very uptight as well. Um, but in this one, the Blue Ranger is free flowing. A, a very nice person and uh, always makes sure to help. And I appreciate that, especially yeah. since she was the first one to say something and not the Red Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. She's mechanical, but also laid back. And it's a, it's a good combo. It's different. And it makes for a good character right away. 
Um, I also I just really enjoy her character's dialogue a lot. <laughs> it just cracks me up. <laughs> like, but not necessarily in a way that it like makes me feel like her character is like bad or something. Just like this is something about it though, like the way she'll just sort of like have this like sort of flippant, carefree California attitude towards everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It cracks me up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, though, while they were helping these old folks by the side of the road, their academy, their ninja academy, was attacked by Lothor. So Lothor is, he sort of seems a little bit like a space pirate type figure, which is, of course, like a common type of uh, Power Rangers villain vibe. But uh, he's also like, he's really strong. He's good at martial arts. He's got like a pretty big squad of like fairly badass minions. Actually, like the villains team is bigger than the number of Power Rangers, which is a flip flop from the last few seasons where it's been like one villain and two lieutenants and versus like five Rangers. Now it's like three Rangers and the villain has like five lieutenants. Yeah, there's a bunch. Of yeah. Also, he looks like he's straight from from Jackie Chan Adventures. He looks like he has a talisman on the on his uh, mask. Yeah, he has a luchador <laughs> mask too. So it's like this really weird combination of just like every single two early two thousands media that was popular, right? Like, um, like lucha lucha or mucha lucha, and like mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Jackie Chan Adventures and Naruto and Power Rangers just all put into one, and it. It works for the mo- it hits more than it misses for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Lothor's design is pretty strong overall. He's a little flamboyant. He's also pretty tough looking, and like he definitely looks like a Power Rangers villain. I, I was yeah. a little disappointed I didn't get. I, I I was like wondering what the villain would be like because I hadn't. Um, I only know Rita Repulsa. I only know, but I felt like my Power Rangers villain expectations were met. Like, I'm into this dude. I like his design. I like his, like, weird CGI, like, um, Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, it looks like, yeah, it looks like the thing that Black Doom or whatever comes in on the big meteorite. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Lothor shows up, starts kicking ass, and is basically like, I'm back for revenge. You guys were too complacent sitting around, clearly, and just mops the floor with them. So by the time our heroes show up, uh, their academy is literally being like sucked into the sky and destroyed. Um, and they're like, oh no, this is pretty fucked up. What's happening? Lothor realizes that uh, they're down there like send some forces to like go look for like stragglers in the meantime they find cam trapped under some rubble he's okay and they're able to free him and cam's like quickly before these enemies fuck the rest of us up there's a secret base and takes them into the underground to their new ranger lair which is a little like the was it season two i think you know when they go underground after the the command center gets blown up season two or season three of the of MMPR. Um, yeah. This is Zeo, I think, right? Where they get that like really interesting uh, command center all of a sudden because yeah. the season three Goldar and uh, Rito blow it up. That's right. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
I, I was just gonna say it's not as like um overly produced and mechanical or or like really spacious big lair. It just seems like it's like a very low key area that is reproducible. Let's just say it's very utilitarian for sure. Um, it looks a little like a like an NCIS like <laughs> room or something you know? <laughs> criminal minds <laughs> yeah uh the room that they would set up like their investigation of the weekend you know and they got a couple tvs on the wall that they've got evidence flashing across or whatever i would um, love an office that looked like that to be honest <laughs> it's, it's a nice it's a nice vibe honestly it's like a lot of wood and just like good decor so so they go they go down and yeah so there's this high tech underground base that no one none of them knew about and uh, their sensei is there apparently when Lothor kicked his ass he turned him into a a, a hamster right? yeah guinea pig or something <laughs> yeah I I can't I I wouldn't say that I blocked this out of my memory but then I went right okay yeah I remember him I remember him not being that bad. Of course, it, everybody seems to have mixed reactions about about this character. I don't it hate like. it, but this is kind of my least favorite thing about this. I'm just gonna say it, Kennedy. <laughs> you hate a lot of the the non-human characters that aid Rangers overall. I like, mean, I'm I, a, I'm a fan of the Alphas. I just okay. Didn't name like, another I name another I, side character that's not Alpha. But that's, that's the thing. Like there's the only aid. been a, there's only been like three, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like Circuit, and now now yeah. you're conflicted about the hamster. I, I'm not or the a guinea huge, pig. Excuse I'm not me. A huge fan of guinea pig sensei. <laughs> guinea pig sensei knows some moves though. Guinea pig sensei could still fuck you up. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I just think it's like a little bit of a weird thing that isn't strictly necessary, but it's fine. It doesn't bother me that much. It's just this bizarre thing. Suddenly, oh, your your sensei is a guinea pig now. It's like a Kafka situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just woke up a guinea pig. Let's move on. So anyway, guinea pig sensei um, <laughs> is like Cam you have to give these three the wind morphers. And they're like, oh, Power Rangers are real. What the fuck? But Cam's <laughs> like, uh, we can't give these dorks morphers. They'll, they'll fuck everything up. Like, But Dustin they, is not... all like, I told you guys it was real. I fucking told <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, Dustin does get to say, I told yeah. you. But yeah, Cam's like, we can't give these knuckleheads morphers. Like, this is, they're not good enough for it. His dad. The guinea pig is like, uh, uh, listen, son, we don't have a fucking choice. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely felt like a last resort type of thing. It's just like, you guys are all that we have. <laughs> it felt like the kind of thing, because like he kind of hints, you know, like I said, when he gives his sort of like, uh, the ways of the force are mysterious answer. It kind of felt like he was hinting that, you know, these three have like secret potential or something, but it also felt like, if it was up to this guy, he would have trained them seven more years. <laughs> also, you get a you get a hint of jealousy that Cam should have been a ranger. Yeah. Just just a hint. But Cam also 
doesn't necessarily seem like a ninja. We'll get more into that later. Maybe not in this episode of the Sentai Truther Club. Because that seems like a bigger arc that we'll learn more about. Because he even makes a point of saying something about, like, computers are better than ninja skills or something yeah, at one point. And you're like... You're like you're the son of the you're the son of the instructor of the academy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Cam feel Cam fills the the Billy role, I think, like a like a a variation of the Billy archetype that we saw in Zio. Billy provided support and logistics a mm-hmm. lot of the time, mm-hmm. and obviously within our head canon and the head canon of many others, Billy was the creator of the turbo powers as well. And so, like, you kind of get that sort of feeling that he's the Billy character, but a little more jaded, I would say, for sure. Yeah. But it also kind of seemed like Cam, Cam knows Kung Fu. Like, I, I'm sure that, that the sensei was like, hey, yo, you need to learn Kung Fu at least to protect yourself. So no, I'm he's sure probably Cam- learned it since childhood, whereas yeah. Shane, Tori, and Dustin have only been training it for a, for a year. Yeah, truth, truth, truth. The Rangers go to fight using the wind morphers to fight the, the forces that Lothor sent down to do cleanup duty. Which, by the way, the new minions, the Kelzaks, pretty cool looking overall. Yeah, they're pretty uh, good. Yeah, they definitely look like minions that you wouldn't necessarily want to tangle with. Maybe not stage one minions, but definitely a stage two or stage three in a beat em up, right? Very foot clan. Foot cl- yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was just going to say that the reason I realized I had seen this before was because of their design. Because believe it or not, I had a Ninja Storm like Mega Block set when I was a kid. Like I was a really little kid. I don't know where I got it from, but like I had like I I can uh, it, and it came and I remember having like the little dude, like I had that those one of those guys, and I was like, this is a cool little little mini figure. I'm gonna play with this. So and then I was like, wait a fuck a second. That's from this. That's him. That's those guys. <laughs> you were the Leonardo DiCaprio meme? Yeah, basically. You're looking at the TV like oh. <laughs> That's it. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. That's yeah. Amazing. There's a really awesome scene where Dustin shows up uh, Shane and Tori on how to transform into the the Rangers. (laughs) Yeah, Dustin finally gets a real, even more serious I told you so when they finally go to fight. Because the other two can't figure out how to morph and are like struggling to use the morphers. And he's just like, heh, watch me, dorks. I read comic books and just morphed just so perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> the transformation sequences are pretty dank this time around. Also, like it flows way more naturally than the Wild Force one, where it doesn't seem as out of place. And I, I really like it. I, I really did enjoy when they, when they transformed for sure. Yeah, it's a good transformation sequence. The, the, the fight is good. Um, the Rangers just pretty quickly beat up everything and um in some somewhat typical fashion one thing's uh, or one more thing that stayed true is that uh they don't get the zords this episode so they just have a fight on the ground with their ranger powers and win 
and then that's the ranger the... powers though we gotta talk about them so dustin gets <laughs> a tommy move from like season one of power rangers oh i thought you where... were talking about something else <laughs> oh no where uh where he like stabs the ground and it does this like fire or like thunder split or whatever across the ground that let like uh down some of the enemies that was straight from season one that was really cool and then uh they also show off their arsenal for the first time against yes. the, the villains yes. <laughs> the arsenal's so, amazing so i will let you take this one kennedy shane the red ranger has a sword pretty you know yeah everybody knows what to do with that uh, Dustin, the Yellow Ranger, has a big old hammer. Tori, the Blue Ranger, has a megaphone. I like the megaphone. I thought that. Was <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> this is the first time we like we... at the villains through the megaphone and like destroys them. <laughs> yeah, th this is the this is like the first time we've ever seen the power rangers get really weird with it and it's kind of like a hint of what's to come because i guess the super sentai hurricaner was like really uh out there with the sentai footage because you could tell it's definitely sentai footage for some of this stuff and they just rolled yeah. with it i definitely was playing the game of like okay what part of this is new footage and what part of this is sentai b-roll you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they all get a uh, a paraglider as yeah. well. <laughs> a fucking paraglider. I was like, what the fuck are they going to do with that? I think I had that too. I think that was in the Mega Block set. I was like, what the fuck? They actually use like hand gliders? That's not just like... No, yeah. They gave the yellow Lego man. No, yeah. they didn't use them. <laughs> Yeah, typically this would be reserved only for like the Red Ranger as like a battleizer. But no, all three of the rangers get it. And uh, it's cool as fuck. I love it a lot. And then they all assemble. So the megaphone gets used as like the handle to the to the assembled. Uh, the storm striker. Yeah. Storm striker. Right. And it's cool. I like it. Obviously, you know, it's been done before, especially last season where they only really had two moves to deal with villains between the savage slash and then their their version of the cannon this mm -hmm. one it, it just feels like a lot more impactful on screen um i think you get you works, get better vibes off of this one i think what works actually about this one so well is that a lot of previous seasons their combined weapon was combining like five weapons together and it was really hard to make it look cohesive I think the fact that they only have three rangers this time is to the advantage of that like combo gun thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like instead of like five like parts that you're trying to make them all work and make sense, it's like three parts that just all make sense together. Yeah, no, I I like the I like the design. I really was into that how they all go together. Yeah, um, and so the fight so, finishes, and yeah, we they, land back to the the Wind Ninja Academy. Uh, as the Rangers celebrate with Cam, who's still a little bit salty that these three were picked to be the Rangers. Yeah, really, it's more like the Rangers come back celebrating and Cam and his father, the guinea pig sensei, uh, are like, 
it's okay that you're feeling good about this win, but you have so far to go. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the monster didn't even turn big yet. Yeah, yeah. Get big. <laughs> and so we cut to episode two of Power Rangers Ninja Storm. There's no I in team. Also, I will say that the the episode name for one was really good too because it kind of matched the ending to that episode, which was prelude to a storm. And it mm -hmm. wasn't like prelude to a storm part one. And then the next one's like into the storm, you know, or whatever. They didn't even do that. They were just like, no, this is like the beginning to what's the actual like storm, which is the, the villains this season. And so we cut to there's no I in team. Yeah, so there's no I in team starts off a little confusing. The Rangers are shackled together and they're looking for like a magical scroll and they're surrounded by enemies. This whole just sudden weird situation that they seem to have been thrust into. And uh, they are struggling to work together effectively in the ways that would be necessary to do this. And, uh, oh, what do you know? This was a teamwork exercise. They're in a hologram. As they, like, fail the simulation, it's turned off, and there's Cam and Sensei, and they're like, all right, listen up, y'all. You're not, you're not really cutting it right now. You got to keep working on this. If you're going to beat Lothor, you really got to get better, which I really like that they're leaning into these, like, sort of imperfect rangers very clearly from the beginning. Like I said, like, uh, you get the impression that it's not that he wouldn't have necessarily chosen them, but he wouldn't have chosen them at this time, <laughs> for sure, had he had the choice. So the the Rangers like start like talking about like, okay, what are we gonna do before we come back and do this training again tomorrow? And Shane's like, Well, you two should train some more because you fucked up basically. And Tori and Dustin are like, um, go fuck yourself and take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shane kind of went hard in the paint like you ever had that toxic teammate in overwatch who's like i'm carrying all of you uh, <laughs> shane definitely had that moment um with these two it was like a, a really big gamer moment shane justifies his toxicity by saying you guys aren't taking it seriously enough and they, their rebuttal is fuck you we are taking it seriously enough and we also understand that if we keep going at this we're just gonna lose harder so quit it yeah because shane's um, basically trying to be like let's train till late in the night and they're yeah. like no let's go like relax we've been training for like 12 hours and we're exhausted yeah also we need to re-up <laughs> yeah like we, need to, like we need to like eat and sleep and smoke weed <laughs> <laughs> like can we at least hit the bong before we do this and shane's like nah we need to just keep going and like fuck you man this shit's way too stressful <laughs> Yeah, you really, that's basically the vibe. And so we cut to the, the two Cali villain lieutenants. I love their design. Two Valley girls. <laughs> so two of, two of Lothor's lieutenants are his troublesome nieces who were apparently just sent with him for the summer, which I cannot get over how much I love just the sort of mental image of these two girls' parents. I don't know if they have the same parents or not. That's not quite clear. Um, just being like, we need to get you out of the house. You're too much trouble. Go, your uncle's invading Earth or something. Go, just, get, just go, go, go do that for a few months and, and, and see if you can straighten yourselves out a little. You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the cool part about this is, is that uh, Lothor, Lothor uh, does the exact same training, but on the villain side. So the Rangers whole thing was like, you know, working together is obviously better than being being singular. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for Lothor, he tries to instill the same lesson to his nieces. Uh, unfortunately, not to great effect. So they well, just stay semi successful. <laughs> semi. <laughs> um, but they're they're like really not happy that they're they're stuck together because in this form, it's not in VR that they're stuck together. No. In this one, they're they're stuck together in real life. <laughs> yeah, in a pretty Definitely, awkward it, way where like you know it wouldn't be pleasant. It's funny because I was getting like Dexter's Laboratory vibes from this. Have you ever seen that episode where Dexter was stuck to Dee Dee? Yeah. Oh, it is like it is like that. Yeah. Yeah, the exact <laughs> same like complaining to each other about all this stuff. <laughs> I I did really think it was fun that both the Rangers and the villains were trying to learn the same lesson this episode. Like I thought that was a really cute and interesting move. Yeah, and these two lieutenants they get sent uh to Earth and they have a a monster phone. It's like a a <laughs> a somewhat biomechanical phone. It looks really creepy. It basically explains how the villains are able to summon monsters to the earth. Mm-hmm. And I'll take it. It's <laughs> basically the way I see it is that Luthor is sort of the mafia, space mafia, <laughs> and has a bunch of like henchmen on dial. And so the lieutenants are using that to great effect. Yo, magnet dude, we got to cause some trouble. Can you go magnetize everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Mad Magnet, by the way, pretty cool looking. I love him. I was like big into that design. Yeah, Mad Magnet's mad cool, and he uh, he looks like a Warframe character, basically. He does. Yes, and <laughs> he magnetizes people together, and not only magnetizes people together, but turns them into like a petrified statue that's absolutely horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really amusingly, they switch between like this original sentai footage of this effect and then like a recreation of it they're just like it would like i I really like noticed it especially there how like there's very obviously like here are a bunch of japanese people being stuck together (laughs) yeah and then now it's a bunch of white people yeah no it's really funny in particular because especially the american crowd was like a little bit diverse too Mm -hmm. you know in like a typical like american like hollywood like trying to show a little diversity type of way mm-hmm. but like the japanese sentai footage it's literally just all japanese people so it's like for some reason there's just like one tower of just all japanese people stuck together yeah. <laughs> you know in cal in southern california uh- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's just, it, it's just it's funny because in general at this point they tend to not make it quite as obvious they're using sentai footage sometimes but then you'll still see these little nods occasionally even in seasons this you know newish high budget and at this point owned by disney 
so anyway, uh, Mad Magnet is running around the city, and uh, Shane goes to beat him up. And uh, Tori and Dustin have gone back to headquarters, I think. They see that Shane is getting beat up by Mad Magnet, and they're like, oh, we should go help. And their sensei is like, nah, just we're just going to watch and chill. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, wait, shouldn't we? Oh, oh okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they basically wait for like Shane to call out their names before. And like Shane straight up like doubles down on being able to take this guy one on one. And even uh, Mad Magnet's like, bro, you're not powerful. You're not that powerful. Stop. And uh, fucks him up. And pretty much like, Mag Magnet was about to impale him with a piece of like metal rod. And the, the, the Ragers are like, Sensei, now! Send us now! And so he teleports them in. And uh, oh, what do you know? The three of them working together, they are able to pretty easily beat Mad Magnet, actually. You know, Mad Magnet, um, what does he do? He gets big because it's episode two and it's time for that. The the villains bust out their monster phone and they go beep, boop, beep, and <laughs> are able to uh, get Mad Magnet to turn into a giant. Cam, in the meantime, like it was kind of hinted earlier in the episode that Cam's like working on some Zords and Cam's just like, I can't like figure out this equation. Uh, and all yeah. this other stuff of how to like put them all together and stuff. And it's unclear if he's like creating the Zords for the first time or just like prepping and configuring and like like fixing them up after a long period of disuse or something. But it's like either way, Cam is clearly like competent and like running things with these Zords. But yeah, he's like, no, they're not working together well enough, and the Zords need more prep, especially if they're with these knuckleheads driving them. You know, like yeah, you you remember those the the mice back in the early two thousands, and how there was like one like they used to have the trackball mice, right? Where there was like trackball built into the mouse, and you could use the trackball to scroll around your desktop. Yeah. Um. So Cam's keyboard and mouse setup. I think I kind of want it. So he has a split <laughs> keyboard with just the gigantic ass trackball right in the middle. And he fucking <laughs> slams it to send the Zords launching into launching through the grid. And basically the way the Zords work as Kennedy and I have theorized is that <laughs> They consume vehicles or just appropriate uh, sized mechanical objects in the world. However, I think the we think that the life force for the Zords are also being consumed with what's in it. So uh, the 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 lion zord, it's like a tornado lion zord, consumes. An a roller park. coaster ride. Yeah, no, you have to have a Ferris wheel too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a Ferris wheel. Yeah, so th that's like the the bad karma one, right? But then the rest of them, uh, Shane's uh, Shane's uh, Zord, the Hawk Zord, um, consumes a military jet, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. 
And then uh, Tori's, uh, what is it? It's a dolphin. Tori gets a dolphin zord. Oh my god, the fucking dolphin zord. Before we get more into the dolphin zord, though. The dolphin zord consumes a mega yacht every yeah, time. Yeah, and we're like, Praxis, baby, Pro- let's go. Hog. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, oh, I want to be man. clear about this consumes thing. You might be confused about how we've come to this conclusion, even if you have watched it, but especially if you haven't. So the Zords are in like a Hellraiser-esque dimension of mechanical things normally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also known as the grid, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, 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 and like, when Cam like releases them, like they unlock from these mechanisms and then disappear, teleporting out to appear in the world. So they are not disguising oh. themselves as something else. I want to be really clear about this. It's not like the dolphin disguises itself as a mega yacht when it's not in use. It consumed a mega yacht to appear. Oh my god. Yeah, you you know the anime <laughs> trope where like when things die or dissolve it turns into like balls of light and then it goes up into the sky. Yeah, so basically uh the the zords are stored in the base, I would assume, in the it seems like it's stored in the the wind academy base somewhere Maybe. deep underground. And then um it's powered and given life through the morphing grid, but in this case like it it goes through the morphing grid and it consumes like the balls of light consume the fucking uh mega yacht and the military jet and the ferris wheel <laughs> to then become the the zords and uh super bizarre yeah and and it goes to attack the enemies and Yo, like the Sentai footage is fucking pog as shit. These um, swords look fucking dope. Yeah. And it's kind of clear that Dustin's this is when we got the feeling that Dustin's character, the Yellow Ranger in the Sentai footage has to be the main character because his Zord is so fucking powerful and not only is it powerful but also like he has a lot more confidence in the Sentai footage with piloting it. And the way it, it it transforms into the Zord, typically like the Red Ranger Zord is the body, is the main chest area. And you'll have like the Pink Ranger Zord or whatever it is that will be the head or something like that. But in this case, the Yellow Ranger is the one that's like the primary part of the, of the, the Zord. And so the Red Ranger one, the Hawk Zord, when it flies around the enemy, it does like, you know, wings of fire and, and the fire starts to consume the mad magnet and then the dolphin zord goes to attack it and uh when the dolphin zord attacks it it celebrates yeah it does a little dance it does a little clapping <laughs> dance in the air <laughs> and i'm like what the fuck and then uh, the the Yellow Ranger one goes straight up in for the kill. So the Yellow Ranger does this, um, makes this vortex using its like huge fan, like turbine fan that's in the head, and then just powers through the vortex, killing it in one blow. And I'm like, my god, this is insane. And then of course they do this like 
typical, you know, video footage edit where they just reverse the footage uh, and be like, ha ha, I regenerated or whatever, right? So then they're like, oh, we need to combine our Zords. And Cam's like, I don't know if, if this, the Zords can combine, but we'll try. And so the Zords combine and I'm with it. The Zord design's pretty cool. It, it just seems like uh, the Wild Force. It's like a, it almost looks like the Wild Force Zord, but not as like, not as much CGI. It's definitely way more rotoscoped this time around. It doesn't have a, a really weird CGI face like the Wild the Wild Force Sword has. <laughs> uh, but it, this it looks pretty cool, honestly. For a base level Zord design, it's pretty legit. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and they they uh they do some like ninja power move. They use their their ninjutsu or whatever to channel energy into the Zord for like a big beam to destroy the to destroy the enemy. And it's cool. It's it's typical Power Rangers shit. Um, but yeah. I liked it. it. It was awesome. Uh, they do a Shadow Clone Jutsu where uh, the Megazord goes into three. And normally I complain about the fact that like it's like a one shot, one kill. But the added bonus of the Shadow Clone Jutsu into three separate sword strikes is really cool. It's fun. It's dramatic. Yes. Um, and speaking of dramatic, the episode concludes. Well, first, the Rangers, you know, go back to the base and their sensei tells them, that, you know, be responsible with these Zords. And also, like, that's teamwork, that thing that you just did. Remember that feeling. <laughs> um, but more importantly, Lothor, the villain, back on his space base, is pissed that the rangers bested them and is like, all right, it's time to start getting serious. Apparently this ranger thing is no joke. Um, but luckily I've got something up my sleeve. I've got two power rangers. Dun, dun, dun. And then the episode ends. Yo, the way the rangers, the way the evil rangers look are so fucking cool. Yo, those episode two chain. The fact that they they did this episode two is ballsy, so ballsy. Yeah, I was um, like, I was like, I'm I'm not gonna watch any more of this, but I almost want to because I'm like, oh shit, they got <laughs> evil rangers. Yeah, this is typically something for like the middle of the season, right? Like psycho or, rangers, or even later. Yeah, Th this case they just they went for it. Episode two, uh, we're gonna introduce the evil rangers and allude to this. And the episode ends, and Luthor is like, <laughs> so yeah, that was Power Rangers Ninja Storm. Um, so Jenny, what did you think about um, Power Rangers Ninja Storm in the two episodes that you watched, and what would you rate it out of ten? Also, would you be down to watch Power Rangers outside of Sentai Truther Club? Um, for my first, uh power rangers experience i thought it was an interesting place to just kind of jump in i really liked the costume design i was very i i liked that like in the first episode they just had like a big green guy with lothor and he's just kind of like i'm gonna turn all the 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 good ninjas into bubbles and throw like i i really liked the costume design and i thought that like a lot of the effects were neat 
I don't know if I would watch more of this specific Power Rangers on my own time. I would probably watch something more beginner friendly. But I really, I was like surprised at how much I enjoyed watching two random episodes from Power Rangers Ninja Storm with absolutely zero Power Rangers experience. The first episode's a solid six, but I really, I would give the second episode like, like there was enough like stuff happening that I was like, yeah, that was entertaining. That's like an eight out of 10. I, I enjoyed seeing like the, the dolphin dance and the, and the magnet guy get really big, but he's just kind of close to the camera and uh, then the evil <laughs> Rangers. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is crazy. <laughs> I, I, I really liked watching it. That was entertaining. Kennedy. Yeah, um, this was a, a, a pretty strong intro overall, pretty fun, a lot of good concepts, um, not trying anything overly ambitious, which is good in some ways, and, you know, maybe a little bit of a letdown in certain respects, too, but not too much of a letdown. I think episode one, I'm probably leaning somewhat close to Jenny here. I think it's probably, like, Maybe closer to like a six point five or a seven for me, but it's still like it's just kind. Of, it's like it's it's like fun and watchable, but it's not like outstanding, really, you know. Whereas episode two was a lot more fun. Like I think I, I think in the end I would probably give episode one. I probably agree a hundred percent with Jenny on episode one that it's a six if I had to honestly pin it down. And then episode two, that's like an eight or a nine. That's so it's it's super fun and good and the characterization is strong of the three rangers. The storytelling is competent. Um and uh it just sets everything up to make you want more really well. Whereas I felt like after episode one, I was kinda like, Yeah, sure, this seems fun. Let's keep watching. After episode two, I was like, Ah yeah, this is gonna be good. Like, this is really, that's when I was, like, excited. So I think I'm going to give that a nine. So I'm going <laughs> to agree with Jenny on one for a six, and then the other one's a nine. You're doing it for the meme. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, my my overall ratings. Uh, so as someone who's watched it when they were a kid, uh, I got brought back to why I liked it which is I liked it because there was less Rangers and it allowed more focus time on the three Rangers. I remember as a kid, I was like 11 when this came out. Um, so I distinctly, or I was like 10 or 11 when this came out. So I, I distinctly remember watching this and being pretty pogged up uh, for it. Um, my, my, my issue, I think, with in general, that kind of like it hurts episode one more than it hurts episode two is the sound design. I think if the the sounds the sound design in episode one was punchier, uh, we would like it a lot more, right? Like if it had, obviously it's kind of it kind of sucks to compare it to that, but like let's say like if it had more stuff like um like zero one or um shit even like time force or, or some of the, or light speed rescue where the sound design was a lot more punchier in the in the action and in the dialogue um, and the emotional content there's not a lot of deep emotional content 
And for the last few seasons in particular, they've really worked hard to right away give you some reasons to care deeply about like the Rangers on like a more of like a human interest kind of level. And although these Rangers are imminently likable, there's no real human interest about them in episode one. Episode two, you start to get a little of that. But episode one, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Also, mm. I think like Shane, it was kind of a little bit too unbelievable on Shane's age. Uh, like they were trying to make him out to be like a young 20 something or yeah, know, like something he, like he's that. He's like 20. I'm like, nah, Shane's like 29, 30. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the sound design definitely needed a lot more improvement for episode one to reach like the 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 eight or nine. Um, to me, it's a seven. It's a low seven. Uh, episode two is definitely like an eight and a half, I would say. I, I do... I do appreciate it a lot more. I do like the fact that episode two had a, uh, normally it's the red Ranger that's promoting teamwork. Yes. Uh, in this case, the red Ranger was like, I'm the red Ranger. I normally carry you guys. Come on now. And then they're like, flip the trope on its head. And I think that that's really cool. That on top of like, you know, giving us the preview of the evil rangers at the end of episode two mm -hmm. was really pogged. The Zords were awesome. The fights were really cool. Uh, it was just more or less like, again, a little bit more on the sound design issue and uh, certain elements of it are still kind of like, they still miss a couple of scenes where it just doesn't land. Right. Like uh, the fact that they all work at the same skateboard shop, right. They all work at like vans, right. Uh, well, they, don't, they don't all work there. They don't? Shane, I thought no, they cause did. Shane, cause Shane specifically goes in there to talk to Dustin's boss and is like, how do you, how do you deal with managing a business and like basically kind of how do you deal with Dustin a little bit too? So yeah, he, he doesn't work there. I think that that scene was kind of a miss for me. That's, it was okay. It's just like, it was a little flat. Ultimately, like what she says is not that like, profound or anything she's just like i just trust everybody to do the right thing more or less and he's like but how and she's like i don't know and he's like okay i just treat them, <laughs> just treat them like regular human beings <laughs> yeah yeah that scene was kind of a miss also like vr segment as much as it's cool i'm like it kind of just felt out of place um so that that definitely brought the episode a little bit down for me but Overall, really strong episode two for sure. Really strong part of the intro as well. I'm glad, Jenny, that you got some some enjoyment out of this. I was a little bit worried just because it's the start of a new era of Power Rangers in the context of the show. And I remember liking it as a kid, but I remember the feelings beyond liking it didn't go further than that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting for us at the Sentai Truther Club to watch it. And I'm glad that now I get to appreciate it more versus being like being in that age where I'm like Power Rangers is more for kids, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> type deal. So I'm glad that you you got some uh, something out of it. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, I am at Usagi Cola on Twitter. I run Quotes of Gex, which is the reason I'm here, the Funny Gex account. And I think that's pretty much it for anywhere 
you would want to find me. Like I have, I'm just Usagi Cola. Uh, that's 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 my handle. That's where you'll <laughs> find me. Is there any interesting projects that we should know about for people to keep um, posted on? I'm joining a game jam probably, and I've got a couple other things in the works, but I don't really have anything. I've just, I moved recently. I've been more dealing with the fact that I just moved out of my mom's place for the first time. Congratulations. That's a lot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. We just got a couch. Hell yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I know when they moved out. I'm like, oh, we got a couch. We can sit down and play video games and watch movies. My, um, my first apartment had a lawn chair and a fold-out table that had a 24-inch TV, I think, and a Wii U plugged on it, plugged to it. Yeah, we all, <laughs> that's the other thing is, like, I just moved out, so I have, like, all the stuff no one else wanted. So I'm like, oh, the Wii U's here again. I could use the Wii U. The Wii U's going to get some use. We've been playing a lot of games <laughs> too. I think that's been the, the most fun thing for me is seeing my roommate be like, oh, you got a PS2. I'm going to play Ketomari and Persona 3. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. And uh, Rangers, we'll see you guys in the next Sentai Truther Club. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.